Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Jason Wright Show. Best Friday ever. This is where we just cover whatever the heck is on my circus clown show of a mind. And I've got a lot on it today. So first of all, I got to tell you how the morning started out. And, and I'm sure some of you can relate to this. All right. So a, a word of advice. Don't start your morning out by calling and trying to argue about your electric bill. So I'm with Jexa Energy. That's G-E-X-A Energy. And uh, just did you, Jexa Energy. And I think you can find them. Let's see. Where can you find Jexa Energy? Uh, make sure it's, I think it's just Jexa.com, G-E-X-A.com. You can learn more about their company right there. I called this morning because my electric bill my base rate per kilowatt, which is supposed to be 8.9 cents, has almost doubled the last two months. And I'll admit, last month I was lazy. I was like, that's way too high, but I'm lazy. It is 100 degrees nearly every day here in Texas. And so just blew it off. Well, it came again this week or this month, and I'm like, all right, I got to figure out what's going on. And I noticed that my base rate, which was supposed to be, according to the plan that I'm on, 8.9 cents, was like 15.01 cents per kilowatt. And I bet you didn't think you'd tune into the podcast and hear about electric rates, did you? Well, <laughs> congratulations there, Timmy. You have reached the Jason Wright Show, where you get to listen to Jason bitch about his electric bill. Improve always and always. All right, so um, nice little sip of coffee there for those of you listening. So I'm like, okay, well, this is ridiculous. 8.9 cents, 15.01. Then you put in the uh, delivery charges. We're talking, you know, 19 cents per kilowatt hour. Like those, those are like commercial rates I used to pay on my office building. I'm like, this, this can't be right. And so I call to find out what's going on. And, and I even did the due diligence. I checked to see, okay, what is my plan? Has my contract expired? Heads up, whenever your electric bill, bill goes through the roof, same thing with your cable bill. They were, they're not going to tell you most of the time because they know that if you don't notice that your good contract expired, they can get you on the month to month for a while and they can jack your price up. They're not going to do much to really alert you to that. And so I thought, well, maybe my old contract expired. And I, I looked, nope, it's good till 2023. So I call and come to find out, and this is one of the things that you need to understand about your electric rates. And I guess I, as I thought through it, the business model um, with cell phones is kind of the same thing on the data plans. I'm like, this plan, if I basically don't use my air conditioner I get a, or use my electricity, I get a $100 credit, okay? And it averages out to 8.9 cents as a base rate per kilowatt hour. Well, I mean, I'm going to use way more electricity. So shame on me. Now, I'm not going to be one of these people that goes and, you know, writes a letter to the White House and gets, um, you know, the uh, gets Congress involved because I have been taken advantage of. I just didn't know. I was incapable of reading the plan. No, it was on me. If I had just done the due diligence to look and say, okay, Jason, you're signing up a plan that requires a certain amount of usage to get this rate, and you rarely use that amount of usage. So you're probably going to always go over. So that's shame on me. So first and foremost, okay, I take responsibility for that. But here's where the frustration got in. I, I, I asked the guy that I was talking to, God bless him. I must have asked him 20 times, can you just tell me, have I ever had a month? I don't have my bills in front of me. You have all my usage. Do you, do, is there one time where I have ever met the requirements to get this good rate that I signed up for, this teaser rate? And he kept repeating to me, 
Well, if you go over this amount of usage, then your rate, you don't get the $100 credit and you pay this much per kilowatt. I'm like, I get that. But here's the thing, before we even got into that, I'm like, so wait a minute, you're telling me this. And this, kids, this is where old Uncle Jason is going to teach you something about your electric bill. I said, so you're telling me that in your business, if my volume of use is greater than it's supposed to be, not only do I have to pay for using a greater volume, but my per unit cost is going to go up as well. I said, that's like me going to the green beans, going to Costco and them saying, hey, Mr. Wright, if you only buy this small bag of green beans, then you will get a credit against your green beans. But if you buy an entire pallet of green beans, ooh, not only is that going to be a lot more volume, but we're going to charge you more per green bean. I'm like, that makes no economic sense. I've never heard of any situation where that was the case, where the more you buy, the more you pay per unit as opposed to getting a quote-unquote volume discount. So I went back and forth with this knucklehead trying to explain the economics of the situation, why it didn't make sense to me. Then, and every time I would say, hey, can you just go back through my history and give me one instance where I've actually hit the number? Why does he keep talking about his electric bill? I'm going to wrap this up, folks. I kept going back to, can you just show me one instance in which I have actually met the requirements? And he found one month. It was June. And so I'll admit, I said, I said okay, dude, look, here's what you do. The next time you have a customer like me call, pull up my usage from the time this contract started through today and go, yep, Mr. Wright, you're right. You're kind of taking it in the shorts during these horribly hot summer months you have we, that's right you've gone over every time but if you look back to when you signed your contract back in march and then april and then you know may june you only used this this much electricity you didn't go over your allotted amount and you got the hundred dollar credit and so in the aggregate you're actually only paying this much per kilowatt hour that would have caused my blood pressure to stay so much lower than what it was. But here's the lesson from old Uncle Jason. Here's how you improve your freaking electric consumption and bill and contract knowledge always and always, kids. Look at your usage and figure out, am I stuck in a situation where the more I use, the more the per unit cost goes up? Just know your contract. And finally, by the way, guys, this is where it just got Jim Lynn's walking back and forth. Even Cotton ran to the other room. He didn't want to hear me anymore. He was sick of listening to me. Explain. I understand my contract. I know what I have signed up for. Quit. I had to tell the guy, please stop explaining my agreement to me. I know my contract better than you do. Oh, and then, by the way, he told me if I wanted to, I actually could go to Jexa. That's Jexa.com, Jexa Energy. By the way, did I mention I'm talking about Jexa Energy? He told me, I don't know how many times, you can actually go and check your energy usage. Okay, so folks, I don't know about you. I'm kind of a busy guy. I got a lot going on. Do you? Do any of you actually go out and go, ooh, I wonder how much electricity I've used up to this. What's my daily usage? But and, and if you did, what would you do with that information? Would you really go, okay, well, turn all the lights off, turn the air conditioner off, we're going to be hot. I mean, it's just, I get it. And you, you I, we, Jim Lynn and I, we set the timers. We try to be just efficient and try to handle it. But that wasn't enough, and I'm not going to go beyond. That's what I told this guy. I said, look, dude, 
we have the timers set different times a day. We do all that, but no, I'm not going to go check my usage by the, I've got too much going on to be worried about that. So anyway, that's my rant on electric bills for the day. But I got more rants to go, baby. I am wired for hot. I told Jimlin when I dropped her off at Hot Tots this morning, most mornings I do have the pleasure of taking Mrs. Wright to the store. And uh, that's a sweet thing too. Hey, if you guys want to nurture your relationship and make it kind of, uh, take it up a notch, make it awesome, try to figure out a way where you can only use one vehicle most of the time. I know that's almost impossible for a lot of you, but if you can do that, it is really, uh, it's good. It's just good kind of bonus quality time. And so I get to take Mrs. Wright to the store most mornings. And so I did this morning. I told her, I said, man, I don't know what's going on in the universe, but it keeps just punching me right in the crotch. And it, it was or I wrote about in the Vitruvian letter. I had an incident with a neighbor not too long ago. And then poor Rylan, uh, our oldest, she called me asking for job advice. And I just went into full-blown, I'm dad, I know everything mode. Just be quiet and listen. Whew, I have been on a tear. And then I got a, where, where's my phone? I got to read you guys something else. So I'm going to switch to a very positive note. I had one of the best Thursday nights ever last night because let me back up I gotta tell you a cool story really cool story so I guess it's been about a year and a half ago I'm listening to the James Altucher show one of my favorite podcasts of of all times and he's talking to this guy named James Quandall who has who James Altucher there's there's two Jameses here so just bear with me James Altucher has chosen James Quandall to participate in his um, it was called like, who wants to be a millionaire? I'll make you a millionaire mentor, something to that degree where the idea was James Altucher was going to mentor, I think like four or five people on ways to become a millionaire over the next 12 months. Well, one of them was James Quandall. And so I'm listening to the show and I'm listening to this James Quandall guy. And he, and by the way, I do an, a, a, a fantastic James Quandall impersonation. So if, if James, if you hear this, I hear your voice. And I'm like, you know, there is James Quandall. And he is talking to James Altucher about his Amazon business and trying to turn, scale that into a training course. That is my James Quandall impersonation. If you've never actually heard James Quandall in person, or you didn't go to the James Quandall show, listen to his fantastic, fantastic podcast, and you will see it's pretty awesome, my impersonation. And so I'm listening to Altucher talk to this guy, and at the end of it, James uh, Altucher, he's like, well, so, I mean, if you want anybody to, to reach you, how, how, how do they reach you? And so Quandall says, well, they can email me. And so he shares his email address. And I thought, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to see what this guy's got going on. I, I do business advisory. He's scaling a business. And, and it sounds to me like he's a lot like me. Entrepreneur, starting a podcast, want to do some things. Let's just see what happens. I emailed James Quandall, and we set up a Zoom meeting just to kind of have like a little, you know, hey, how's it going? Brainstorming session. That first call, I want to say, went like two and a half hours. And I mean, it... it from that date, I think it's been over a year now, forward, I ha- we have developed one of the closest friendships that I have. 
uh, every once in a while, James and I will just have a call where we encourage each other. Because as a being being a creator, doing this show, uh, doing the the Vitruvian letter, writing books, all the it's a very lonely space, and you don't get a lot of feedback. And a lot of the feedback you get might be from it might be bad. Might, there are plenty of people that are willing to just tell you you suck, and that there's also a lot of people that are willing to say, "Hey, I really enjoy what you're producing." But the feedback loop can be really slow. And so it's always good to have somebody else that's going through that to go, God, do you just feel like, you know, is this all a waste of time? And so James has kind of been that friend. And then we just, it's literally become one of those iron sharpening iron type friendships. A good brother who also happens to uh, be a Christian, so we can talk about that. And then last night, he and Emily, his wife, they were in Dallas for the pod movement convention, which I did not attend. And, uh, and so we planned for Jim and I, after we closed or left the store last night to go over and meet them for dinner. And it was just awesome. And so James, if you happen to listen to this episode to you and Emily, thank you for a fantastic evening. And to you folks, I mean, look, I am the most reclusive antisocial person you'll ever meet. I am a major introvert disguised as an extrovert. If you meet me, you'll think, God, that guy never meets a stranger. I have no inhibitions. I am a clown. I ha- I do stuff like this. I'm always kind of outward facing, but honestly, I don't like being around people. Jimlin and I, we are very, very, we, le- we always like to say we kind of live in our own little bubble. We don't do a lot of socializing. And so it was kind of a real, it was really out of character for she and I to drive all the way to Dallas at night to go have dinner with some folks that I had never met in person and more rewarding it could not have been. It was so great being with James and Emily. So to you out there, folks, I know you guys are probably a lot smarter than me. Uh, I mean, that's I set the bar pretty low in that regard. But this is just one of those just from a guy who does not do enough to nurture friendships and relationships. I can tell you, it is such a great thing to do. You just, we need, we are made to be in relationship with other people. It is such a healthy and positive thing when you find people, also the right people. James Quandall is that right kind of person. He makes me better. He edifies me. He and I can talk and lift each other up. There's not, it's not just a getting together and, you know, talking about how bad the world sucks, life sucks, politics suck. It's just more, instead, it's more like, what are you doing to optimize your life for good? for getting the most out of this thing as possible. So I encourage you, men, go find those other men that you can have those iron sharpening iron moments with. Ladies, find other women. You know, I, I've told uh, my little brother, who one of my little brothers who's had a lot of trouble in his life, and he, he has always surrounded himself with horrible people, essentially. And he has, in fact, had a horrible go of it for 40 years. And I've told him, as has often been said, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So you've got to be so selective with those five people that you, that you really spend time with. And you need to be discerning. Are these people that share your worldview, that share your values, that are ambitious, that are themselves not trying to, for vainglory, to do great things, but are trying to make the world around them a better place? Do they have good relationships beyond their friendship with you? Be very discerning, very selective, and curating 
the people you spend time with. And I just, last night, my heart was just full getting to spend time in person finally with James and Emily and then having Jimlin there. It was just really a, a fantastic evening. And But I wanted to mention something else to you. Okay, so actually James had sent this to me. So pod movement is, for those of you who just consume podcasts, you're not in this, this world of you know, being on this side of the microphone, probably means nothing to you. But there's a, there's a conference that happens every year called pod movement. And what it is, is it's basically a convention where podcasters all get together and they, um, and they, and there's vendors there. Like there's all kinds of people trying to sell us stuff all the time, you know, different audio editing equipment, uh, microphones, whatever the case may be. And then also how to market your podcast and just networking event, typical convention. Well, it turns out, and I didn't go this year. Um, I just thought, (laughs) quite frankly, I just said, well, i just don't really want to do that. And James is going, so I'll get my notes from James Quandon. If I find out that I've really, really missed something, then next year it's in Denver and Abby will probably still be up there and I'll just, I'll head up to Denver and go to it there. But now I'm not so sure I'm ever going to attend a pod movement convention. convention. And here's why. I get this uh, text from James Quandall because we're talking about, and he and I, uh, we were talking a lot about Daily Wire. If you don't know what the Daily Wire is, Daily Wire is Ben Shapiro's network where, I mean, he has a publishing arm. It's where Jordan Peterson, all of his content is now housed. The Michael Knowles show. Um, uh, who else? Uh, gosh, I'm drawing a blank now. Candace Owens. It's, and it's very conservative. Okay, It's a conservative streaming platform. That's what, not what I'm here to talk about. I'm not about to, here to talk about the politics of Daily Wire and the nature of their content per se. What I am here to say is this, Daily Wire, as a content creator and as a podcasting digital content network, is quickly becoming one of the largest forces in new media. They are huge. What they are, what Jeremy Boring, by the way, happens to be a fellow Texan, so Jeremy, well done, sir, what he and Ben Shapiro are building over there is the model for new media. They're making movies. They're they're publishing books. They're putting you know uh, unbelievable talent together for their podcasts. And so they're kind of the model. There's so much to be learned. And look, if you are somebody that I, I'm not sure what network Pod Save America, which is a very liberal podcast. I'm not sure if they're a part of a network or they're standalone. I don't really know. But there's something that even that that the liberals. Uh, that are completely the antithesis of Daily Wire could look at and go, all right, we can't stand Ben Shapiro and what he says and what he does and Andrew Clavin and all those guys. Um, you know, we we don't Matt Walsh. We're not into the content they create, <clears throat> but the business model, we should copy that. Uh, you know, in fact, a great example of a very large eight hundred pound gorilla that thought that they could just kind of duplicate what Daily Wire is doing with CNN, with CNN Plus, which was a $300 million failure. And so Ben Shapiro himself, and, and I w- if I'd known Ben Shapiro was going to be, because I happen to like Ben Shapiro. I think he's funny. I think the content is uh, is good that he creates. The, the I've seen one of the movies that they produced. I thought it was very well done. And And by the way, I've been reading Ben Shapiro's work since he was like, 
I mean, he was he started a syndicated column when he was like 16 years old. I mean, the dude is is wicked smart, regardless of whether you agree with his politics or not. But he uh, so he showed up at Pod Movement, and this is crazy. So I get this story from James Ben Shapiro's presence at Podcast Movement Convention sparks Twitter dust up. And by the way, any of you listening to this that you know. It, it, the only thing you're probably going to know about pod movement now, and so pod movement, uh, I guess, uh, what, leaders, administration, uh, organizers, this is the only damn thing that you're going to really be known for as a result of what you did for this whole convention. Ben Shapiro's presence at Podcast Movement Convention sparks Twitter dust-up. Some podcasters objected to Shapiro hosted the Ben Shapiro Show podcast showing up Wednesday at a booth for the Daily Wire. Conservative political commentator Ben Shapiro's appearance at the podcast movement's apology at the at the wait a minute appearance at the podcast movement's apology for his presence became the biggest headline to emerge from the podcast group's convention in Dallas, Texas so far. They actually apologized for him being there. And so now, the only thing that you're going to really hear about the podcast movement convention is that they apologized because there were some people there that did not agree with what Ben Shapiro has to say and his politics. So therefore, he shouldn't be there. Now, now listen to me. We're talking about one of the most influential new media figures on planet earth shows up to this convention that's probably i mean let's face it it's pod movement it's not exactly a global phenomenon where people are clamoring to get there okay if you looked at the list of speakers yeah mark cuban was one of the speakers they had some decent speakers but bottom line is this is not like something that is well known and you've got someone who has essentially created and executed what will become the new model for network media. He's there. So you're able to, even if you hate his politics, you're able to go, bite your tongue, go, okay, but how did you build it? How can I go build something like this for my left-leaning podcast? How can I go build a network like what Daily Wire has done for my sports network, for my cooking network, whatever the case may be? But because there were some attendees pissing and moaning about Ben Shapiro being there. Now, and here's the, and here's the thing I can almost guarantee you, and I usually don't talk about this sort of thing, but be honest with yourself. I mean, let's just be honest. And I hate to be, do the, the what about, what about, all that crap and the hypotheticals. I, I'm, so I'm just going to say right here, right now, I don't like doing what I'm about to do, but I can't help it. If MSNBC had launched some sort of streaming service and was creating digital assets that were housed in a podcast format, kind of like what Daily Wire is doing. And they were really, and, and they showed up. Could you, can you even really fathom a conservative or a libertarian attendee going and pissing and moaning to the extent that the, the organizers thought they had to apologize that Rachel Maddow had showed up at Pod Movement. Could you really imagine that? And 
I'm going to tell you why this happened and why this is happening more and more. And to my left-leaning friends out there, I would like for you to, to really tune in. Listen to your buddy, Jason, because you know me and you know the conversations we have. I guess it was Charles Krauthammer once explained it really well. He said the difference between liberals and conservatives at this point is this. Conservatives think liberals are wrong, that their ideology and their hope for, for how we construct our government are wrong. Liberals think conservatives are evil. That's a vast difference. So see, I can get into the I can get into the understanding of why the organizers felt this need to apologize for Ben Shapiro's presence is because in their mind and the people that were complaining, they're like, oh my gosh, that guy is evil. He's not just wrong. He is evil. He is a bad human being. And let me tell you something, folks. We have got to stop this crap. We have got to stop this. Where you you take someone and you call them evil and they should be shut up and shut down just because you disagree with their political point of view. And it goes both ways. It goes both ways. And I would be saying the exact same thing if at, I guess what, CPAC in D.C., the big conservative conference, if some wild liberal showed up there and you had conservatives trying to say, no, you don't belong here, get out of here, I'd be like, you're freaking crazy, you're nuts, especially if it's more, this was not a ideological, this was not a a climate change summit, this was not a transgender uh, awareness summit, this was not a feed the children summit, this was not some social movement, this is a business conference, and the business is podcasting in digital media, and Ben Shapiro and Daily Wire, what he and Jeremy Boring have built, whether you agree with them or not, is more successful than anything any of those clowns in that that organized pod movement have ever created in their lives. So essentially what they did was they said, hey, we're sorry that we created an event that drew to it one of the single most successful people in the history of the world that has done what you people are trying to do. What they should have said was, hey, you may not like it, but learn from him. Just ignore the message, but look at the business model and figure out how you can create something to compete with it. Because let me tell you something. Let me tell you what they're doing at Daily Wire. Let's, let's talk about Ben Shapiro's strategy. Ben Shapiro if you look at what Daily Wire is doing, they realize Hollywood hates conservatives. Most movies these days are going to be very preachy and woke. And, and, you know, and some people love that. Some people, that's their sermon. You know, that is their version of, you know, fireproof, you know, or some Kirk Cameron movie or God is real. Okay. So Christians make movies like God is, God is not dead or fireproof or something like that. Liberals like to make movies that are woke. That's their religious movie. Okay, cool, fine. But you know what? Because Hollywood has a monopoly on making movies, most of the movies are going to be the religion of woke, right? Okay, so where's the alternative? Well, Ben Shapiro has built a, a mechanism that's big enough and well-funded enough to create content that's for 
basically not the woke, not the religious right, but just people who miss getting to watch good stories like Maverick. And I, that, that was just a, a, I mean, look at the success. It's a billion dollar movie. Why is it so successful? It's because it was something that left, right, I don't know what the hell I am. I don't care what I am. All of them could come in, sit down, and be entertained, which is what movies used to be for. So Ben Shapiro has created such a massive organization that he can now compete with, for crying out loud, Hollywood. Are you kidding me? So if I'm on the left, I would go, hmm, I want to go learn his playbook. I, so I'm glad I came to Pod Movement. Thank you, Pod Movement organizers, that you got, you were taken seriously by the 800-pound gorilla of streaming, podcasting, publishing, filmmaking, everything to counter what we believe. I mean, I don't like, I don't like his message, but the business model works. Good job. Wow, pod movement. I'm glad I came. Instead, instead of that, they decided to go, no, he shouldn't be here. We don't like him. And pod movement organizers apologized? Are you freaking kidding me? I'm glad I didn't go. I am so glad I didn't spend my money there. I'm so freaking glad. And now I won't. I'm not going to go there. You know what I will do? I mean, look, I would probably get more value out of just looking at different business models. There's someone else, instead of bitching about one of the most successful podcasters that's ever lived being there, why don't you go, hmm, how can I learn from that person? And if, if, you, if your response is because I think they're evil and they need to be shut down, then your, your definition of evil is what is destroying the fabric of American society. Your definition of what is evil, which is essentially anything that hurts your damn feelings, is anything that you hear that you don't like, anything that makes you uncomfortable is destroying the fabric of American society. And I say that to both sides. Anytime you start to tell people you should not be heard from, you should not be seen, because I don't like the things that you say, how are you going to get rid of the bad apples, if you never see them? How are you going to know that they're bad if they only are able to exist in darkness where they grow mold and all of a sudden you end up with some horrible infection of your soul because they've been out there all along. They just stay behind closed doors. You know, I, I just think that uh, I, when I read that, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. But whatever. So, all right, so I'm going to go over... This uh, this afternoon, talked to my boy Josh Tomlin. So some of you have asked, "Where's the Josh Tomlin show? What's going on? Uh, why have you not put that out yet?" So Josh is uh, Josh is a busy man. Even as a, uh, I don't know if I would call Josh a full blown retired Major League Baseball player, because I have a feeling if the right opportunity came along and Miss Carly said it was okay that the, the boy would be on the mound again. That's just that's just me. Uh, but anyway, going to go talk through some ideas with Josh. So be looking for that. And there were some other news that I wanted to. Oh, Patrick David Bet, PDB podcast. That's Valuetainment. He's the one that's building a network. of. So essentially, he'll go and he'll find a podcast. that's getting some legs, getting a bunch of downloads, put it under his umbrella. He's starting a media company. Watch out for that one. More business related. 
does do some political commentary, but not quite as just full-blown uh, political conservative editorial content as Daily Wire. But PDB, um, uh, Patrick David Bat, very worth the listen. So uh, if I were you guys, I would check that one out. Oh, here's the last thing I want to bring you guys that I I want to be excited about this, but I honestly, I just can't because I'm worried that it's going to get screwed up. So, and to my buddy, Matt Wagner, Wags over in the UK, have you seen this? They are going to do an, a, a Christmas story sequel. Ralphie is coming back. And if you know anything, so Peter Billingsley has had a very successful career. He played Ralphie. Turns out, he is Vince Vaughn's best friend, who Matt Wagner, that I just mentioned, when we do our Christmas special where we talk about our favorite Christmas movies of all time, he busted my chops uh, last time because I do have a bit of a man crush on Vince Vaughn, and I was crushing hard that day. It's like every Christmas movie that Vince Vaughn had ever even been in, watched, talked about, was kind of like my favorite movie, and I, I admitted it. I got way uh, into a man crush moment on Vince Vaughn during that episode. But uh, Peter Billingsley has been in a lot of Vince Vaughn movies. He's actually in Four Christmases, if you don't know where he is. That is Ralphie that is uh, the ticket agent at the airport in San Francisco when Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn are trying to go to Fiji. That's Peter Billingsley. He's also in The Breakup with Vince Vaughn. He is the the bowling friend uh, and I think he's been in a, a couple of others. Was he in? Trying to, oh, he's actually in Elf. He uh, he is one of the elves. So Peter Billingsley has done awesome. Well, he's coming back. And here's what it says. And here's the thing, man. I don't want to be cynical, but I'm like, again, going back to what I said earlier, Hollywood has a monopoly. And it's like, oh, my gosh, are they going to take? Like, Do you guys know that there's like a Home Alone 3 out there? Now, see, back in the day, back in the 80s and early 2000s, before all the movies became um, – you know, what they are now where they're going to preach to you about all the things that you should think, say, and feel. Back then, a bad movie was bad. Well, let me see. How do I put it? They just sucked. They would take these horrible kid actors or B actors or, uh, and they would redo a movie or add a sequel where it just didn't make sense. I mean, Home Alone 3, it's out there. Check me out on it. I've never seen it. I won't see it. I don't want to see it. I'm pretty sure that it's um, different directors, different everything uh but it's out there so i'm hoping that they're able to respect the the amazing iconic wonder american treasure that is a christmas story and do this one right but i'm not optimistic but the fact that peter billingsley's in it that makes me feel a little bit better okay because here's the thing to know about vince vaughn if if, if peter billingsley's in it Vince Vaughn probably is a his Wild West Productions probably had something to do with it, and Vince Vaughn is more of a libertarian guy. He's more of a live and let live kind of guy, and so I'm hoping that that translates. But let's see. Here's what the story says. Um, let me get myself out of the way here. I'll read this. Let's read this story. A Christmas Story sequel will drop this year. Here's when to expect it. Fans got their first introduction to Ralphie's family and friends nearly 40 years ago in the film that would become a Christmas classic, and a sequel to A Christmas Story will drop this year on HBO Max in November. By the way, A Christmas Story is a part of the girls and I's, like, it's part of our Christmas morning tradition, so the greatest thing TBS has ever done is, other than broadcast the Atlanta Braves baseball games, is starting 
at 7.30 on Christmas Eve, they play in a loop a Christmas story for 24 hours. So since the girls were like really, really little, every Christmas morning in the background is Ralphie and his Red Rider BB gun and Ralph and, and the whole and Randy. And it's just, it's just awesome. So it's literally part of the background noise of our Christmas mornings. In the highly anticipated film titled A Christmas Story Christmas, fans will check in on grown-up Ralphie played once again by Peter Billingsley, who must deal with Christmas and all that comes with it this time as a dad. According to according to the a description from the stre- the streaming site Deadline reported in a piece published Wednesday. With the same attention to real-life tone of the first, Ralphie reconnects with childhood friends, reconciles the passing of his old man, and sows the seeds for the origins of the beloved holiday classic, the film's long-line read per E! News. It will reportedly take place in the 70s. I like that. I'm a kid of the 70s, by the way, and so I, that's, that's probably why guys like me and the aforementioned Matthew Wagner like this so much. This was a movie when we were kids, and by the way, a Christmas Story was one of those that didn't really gain traction until years after. And I think, I wish somebody, I bet somebody could confirm this in the media. I think TBS made A Christmas Story the classic it is by doing the 24 Hours of A Christmas Story. I think they had a lot to do with it. So, again, kudos TBS. Um, Ralphie brings his family to this childhood home for the holiday, Variety reported. Aaron Hayes, Juliana Lane... River Droshi, I'm sorry if I pronounce your name River wrong, River, R.D. Rob and Scott Schwartz, along with Zach Ward and Julie Haggerty, also star. I don't know any of those people. You guys probably do. The new movie is directed by Clay K- uh, Clay Cadis with producers Erwin Z- Zwilling, Mark Tabernoff. I'm not seeing Vince Vaughn. Oh, yes! Kel Boyder, Jay Ashenfelter, whoever that is, Peter Billingsley, and... One Mr. Vince Vaughn. So, yes, I was right. Vince is one of the producers. There's hope for it. Uh, So, let's see here. For those who might have somehow missed the original movie, the film follows a kid in the 40s. Ralphie, well, you guys know. I mean, if if you don't know, you're probably, go check it out. Come on. If you don't know what A Christmas Story is, I'm sorry. You you need help. Regardless, uh, so anyway, A Christmas Story uh, Christmas debuts on HBO Max November 17th. Okay, so that was probably the worst article reading you've ever experienced, but nevertheless, big news, A Christmas Story Christmas, November 17th, HBO Max, it's worth, so So if you, look, you know, if you go to Prime, they'll always give you like that free, like seven days for free subscription. Mark your calendars if you're not an HBO Max subscriber. I don't think I am. Um, Mark your calendar to try to get the free seven days during that time so you can check out A Christmas Story Christmas. I am so excited by this. So I um, that's all I've got. Look, sorry about the electric rant. And then the day, I was kind of ranty today. I told Jimlin, like I mentioned earlier, that the universe has kind of been kicking me in the crotch. Uh, but that's okay. Just dust it off, baby. We're, we're, it doesn't matter. That happens. Uh, but it caused me to kind of rant a little bit on this uh, best Friday ever. And it is going to be the best freaking Friday ever because I get to choose that. And so, and I choose for it to be just the best one ever. And I hope you will do the same thing. Hey, thank you guys so much. Check out the Vitruvian letter this week. It's coming out. And then, oh, next week, I've got a great episode of the Jason Wright Show. I check in with my buddy, Mitchell Cohen, who has 
sold most everything he owns, packed up two bags, and is now traveling the globe working, I mean, taking working remotely to a new level for, he doesn't know how long. He bought, he's buying one-way tickets. It's awesome. We talk, I check in with him in South America and how that's going and what it's been like, as well as all the other stuff that Mitchell and I always geek out on. So check that out this coming Tuesday on the regular episode of The Jason Wright Show. Until I hear from you again, continue to try to improve always and always. Thanks for listening. I'm out.